humans. I hate people. I hate people. This is why they're the worst. Are you ready for it? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. We just realized that this will be released on Thanksgiving Day. So what's up? I hope you are taking a break from any problematic family family conversations. Yeah, family drama or the political talk, Um, you know, taking a break. Yeah. Are you still single? Whatever the annoying questions are that relatives ask you. Right. When are you going to yeah. get married? When are you going to have a baby? Who are you voting for? <laughs> Just say, buzz off and go listen to People Are the Worst. Yeah, all you have to do is, excuse me, I just remembered that my favorite pod was released today. I got to go. <laughs> and I got a jet. But I think this one will be a little bit short. At least the story's a little bit shorter, so you can get right back to it. But not does not make it any less interesting, so it's fascinating to me. Uh, yeah, well, sure. Um, Oh, and by the way, I'm Rachel. Oh, she's the listener today. I'm Rebecca. I'm the storyteller today. We're identical twins who love true crime stories with a plot twist, and we hate the people responsible for them. Ain't that the truth? Um, I just listened to, sorry, real quick at the top. I just listened to the most recent episode that I told, Ryan Waller, and I feel like I'm Uh like monotone in the beginning. So I'm going to be a damn cheerleader in this one. Oh, God. It's Monday night, so that's going to be a lot of work. I just Let me know if you hear it whenever you listen to it. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. I'm listening. I'm taking mental notes. None of y'all said anything, but I hear you if you were thinking it. <laughs> we know what you're thinking. We, I got you. So I'm going to be a damn cheerleader in this one. Woo! <laughs> I can't wait. That does also remind her... To also let us know what, keep us posted on what types of stories you like. Like, if one falls flat or whatever, we will not take it personally. They're not our story. They're not firsthand stories, so we won't be insulted. Like, if you just don't like a type of story, let us know. Oh. Yeah. You know, like a, I know you'll like a whodunit and a switcheroo and whatever. Oh, my one next week is a whodunit. It's a good one. I'm actually really excited. Wait, I don't like a whodunit? No, I said I know y'all like. Oh, the oh, oh, I thought you said I know. I know you we've don't covered like. that, but like, have you heard about this University of Idaho stuff? No. Oh my God, Payne just told me this as I was like coming up here, and I opened my phone as quickly as possible. I don't, I don't know for why, but I wasn't getting news alert alerts today. I guess because I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't know anything about this. The University of Idaho police, or well, I guess city police, Moscow. Idaho, I guess, got a call about someone unconscious in a house and they walked in and four people had been murdered. <gasps> what? Students. No, I did not students. see that. So sad. That is so sad. I saw the UVA thing. That's a, the only news alert I Same. got. Well, yeah, I think UVA came out right after this was released. But now they're saying they haven't said how anything. They said the community is not at risk. And now New York Times just put their article out on it and called it a crime of passion. Oh, shut so up. So I don't know, because it's, I think, three girls and one guy, or maybe two guys, two girls. Oh, my God. Crap. No, that's terrible. God, I'm going to get in a rabbit hole after this. Well, there's No, I had no idea. There's nothing. There's some, like, really 
bullshit theories like on Reddit, but I don't, people not getting it from any sort of source. It's just their guess. So I'm not going to repeat any of them. So there's a lot of that out there, but isn't that sad? But they said, yeah, really sad. Like, we don't know anything, how they were killed. Nope. Nothing. Um, But they said the community is not at risk. And now New York Times is calling it a crime of passion. So, I mean, now some of the guesses from Reddit are making sense. I don't know what's going on. Damn. Isn't that crazy? That's sad. That's sad. And one of... Have they, like, released victims' names? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. How old are they? They range from 20 to 21. Oh, babies. One of them is a triplet. Oh, no. No, I mean, it's all sad. That doesn't make it any more sad, but it just always tugs at our heartstrings when you hear about... Of a multiple. Yeah, of a multiple. Ugh. That's horrific. Sad. I know. So I'm sure more on that. Maybe by the time this is out, there's more on it. We'll see. That does remind me of a dating app nightmare. I don't know why, because they're young college students. And I just heard a dating app nightmare story. It'll be quick, but can I tell you? It was like weighing on me. I told my husband, he was like, wait, what the fuck was going to happen? I was like, I don't know. Oh, obviously. Okay. Okay, go on. All right. So this guy gets on, I think, I want to say Tinder. I don't want to throw Tinder under the bus, but I think it was Tinder. He gets on a dating app and he matches with a girl called, named Julia, I think. Cute little blonde. Um, he's really excited about her. They start texting. They're texting for a couple of days and he finally asked for her number and she said she's not comfortable giving out her number, but they can follow each other in Snapchat and they can text there. <laughs> Such a young... Um, young person thing to do. It really is a Gen Zer thing to do, but I hope the location on Snapchat's turned off. Oh, right. I know. But so he, they start chatting and he was completely fine with that. Whatever makes her more comfortable, whatever. He was cool with it. He did say like, I do know that a lot of people get catfished on here. So would you mind sending a selfie of yourself right now? And on Snapchat, you can see that he, she read it. And she didn't respond for like 10 minutes, which that does not red flag me. I'd be like, she's probably going to put on mascara or something. Like she's probably like in her jammies. Yeah. So he does send, she does send a selfie and he says, can you do like a thumbs up or a peace sign? And she's like, okay. And like 10 minutes goes by and she sends another one with her doing a peace sign. It's her. It's everyone is who is in the pictures on um, Tinder. So he's a okay with it. They talk for like a week, maybe even two just chatting back and forth and finally decide to meet. And she gives him her address and he goes there and still Snapchatting. They have not exchanged numbers yet. Still Snapchatting. He's like, hey, I'm on my way. And she's like, cool, see you in a few. And they're in college, by the way. I don't know if I said that. They're in college at this point. And so she, he goes to this house and it's like, the grass is a little overgrown. There's no cars in the driveway. There doesn't seem to be lights on. And he Snapchats. He's like, hey, I'm outside and she doesn't read it like she's like oh shit she's not looking at her phone so he gets out and goes and knocks on the front door and after about a minute some woman comes up behind him and is like hi what are you doing and he's like i'm julia i'm here to meet someone named julia and she's like no this house is abandoned this is no one lives here she's like what address did she give you she, he said it she's like no i mean that is this address but no one no one's lived here for years and he was like oh that's so weird okay no one's lived here since 1957. Since 1865. 
<laughs> so he gets in the car. She's removed him from Snapchat. She's blocked him from Tinder and everything. She's ghost. And he's like, well, that was some bullshit. So he's pissed. And he's out in his, a group text with all his college friends. There's like 15 guys on there. And he sends a picture of her and was like, hey, does anyone know who this girl is? And one of his friends goes, uh, yeah, that's Lisa, someone. She overdosed on heroin two years ago. Ooh. And another college friend was like, oh, yeah, she's been, she died two years ago. And he was like, and told him the whole story. And like, um, she's using Lisa's pictures. I don't know who that is. But I'm like, I have so many questions. Oh, my God. How did he, she just so happened to have a selfie of Lisa doing a peace sign. Like, thank God he asked for that. What? And I'm imagine, I imagine that Lisa was wearing different clothes during the selfie she, quote unquote, she sent home. Yeah. And the selfie of the peace sign minutes later. And then third, I'm like, what was he or she planning to do had that woman not come up and said, you have the wrong house. This is abandoned. I I kind of think, like, nothing. She was just fucking with him. You do? God, it really made me yeah. think. Yeah. Because I was like, that she was probably has done that to waste, several people. What a waste of time, though, for, like, weeks chatting, and then you lure him. And I think maybe her, self, her location was on. He was like, no, I'm at the right house. I know she's there. Or something like that. Something that, like, really left me creeped out. Yeah. Where did you uh, hear about this? YouTube. Don't ask me the channel. Oh. I don't huh. remember. No? All right. Fell flat. See, this is what I'm talking about. No. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I just, I kind of think she was just messing with them. I'm just, like obsessed with dating app stories. That might be a full episode, just multiple. I love Yeah. Them. They're so creepy. Well, and how much time do you have if you are just messing with them? Because there's a documentary about that uh, I cannot. The Swindler? Come on. No. 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 God. (laughs) Had it with that. Also, well, it's kind of like, um, did you listen to Sweet Bobby? Nope. Uh, That (laughs) that chick was bored. She, like, had a full-on relationship with her cousin pretending to be this guy, Bobby. They dated for like four years. She like, oh my God, it was a disaster. It's so cruel and mean. But then, and then you're like, certain parts are like, you've been dating a guy for four years and you never met him? I don't remember how long it was. Maybe it's four years. I don't know. It was a few years. Oh no, I think it was actually eight. I think it was almost a decade. And she never met him. It's just insane. And ended up being her cousin. Ridiculous. Yeah, that was a big one too. That's why I was scared to say no. I didn't, because it was a big deal. It, oh, yeah. That whole thing is also like the Birdman documentary where mm-hmm. this girl was just messing with both of them. Bored. Right. Just in remote Canada. She was just like, I want to see how far I could take it. And, I mean, ridiculous. All right. Well, maybe Julia was um, doing that. Or just, I don't know, hearing it first, hearing him say it, I was, just, I was like, that's so creepy. What was the plan? It seemed like a trap of some sort. Had that woman not, I don't know. Yeah. Good looking out, stranger behind. Poor, I know. Poor dude about to knock on the door of some abandoned house for no reason. No, he knocked. He was waiting for it. Oh. I know. Thank God this woman was so invested. <laughs> she was like, what's this guy up to? Yeah. 
All right. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Sources are The Charlie Project, criminally listed on YouTube. Um, the Trail Went Cold Reddit subpage, although it did not go cold, so let's just chill out. Oh, I was about to be annoyed. And channel14news.com. And there's not a lot on this case. I don't even remember how I heard it. Uh, there's one podcast that I saw in all of the Apple universe. So I know you haven't heard of it. Hell yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story of Ted Bundy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you couldn't even get through it. I, always, I don't know why I thought about that just as I was saying it. I'm like, Who? Ted Bundy. Who? Uh, JK, JK, JK. Okay. I'm doing the story of Shannon Green and Dwayne Bell. So the summer of 1986 in Owensboro, Kentucky, was a sketchy one. Let me tell you about it. Okay. In the early morning hours of June 17, 1986, Mary Ethel Dickens, who went by Angie, was dropped off at her apartment after being at a bar with some friends. Her two friends saw her talking to two men in an older model car, and she seemed to know them, so they didn't think much of it, and they just drove away that that was going to be the last time anyone sees Angie alive. Because she didn't live with any family, she wasn't reported missing until three weeks later when another young girl went missing. Jesus. I know, there's a lot of questions. Well, job, everything. I don't know how she went unnoticed. Job, school, friends, being like, I, I want to go out. Exactly. I did read that it wasn't unusual for her to pick up and leave for a few days, but... I mean, almost three weeks is pretty insane. And I don't know. Again, there's not a lot on this. And I really dug. All right. All right. So July 6, 1986, 16-year-old Shannon Green left her house after telling her mom she was going to babysit for a family friend who lived about two miles away. But she never returned home and was reported missing the following day. Telling him getting right into it. All right. Five days later, on July 11th, a classmate and friend of Shannon's, 18-year-old Dwayne Bell, also disappeared. His bike was found against the fence at his sister's house, which alarmed his friends and family because he loved his bike so much, and they said he, he would never leave it unattended. Oh. A hunter did eventually find Angie's body in October of 1986 in a cornfield, but she was so badly decomposed they couldn't determine the cause of death. Oh, no. Uh, no. But it's immediately believed that these three cases are related. Duh. Owensboro is not a big city. It's 60,000 people. And Angie, Sh Shannon, and Dwayne lived less than two miles from each other. Yikes. Yeah. The police hone in on the man that Shannon was supposed to babysit for, John Rainier. Because not only did he know all three victims, but he had a very checkered past. Ooh. He was an ex-con who was convicted of armed robbery in 1966. He served 19 months in prison before being paroled. Then he went back to jail in 1971 after he was he and an accomplice fatally shot a man named John Brainer. Couldn't find the backstory on this one either, but he was charged with conspiracy to commit murder and sentenced to life in prison. But somehow got paroled again and was out in 1986 when everyone in Owensboro was getting abducted. Oh, that's sketchy. And sorry, she was going to babysit for him? Right. This all will get there. Oh, my God. I know. 
John Rainier is 39 at this point, and his house was known as the party house for high school students. You know uh-huh. the type. <laughs> yeah, you know the type. Father and ex-con buying alcohol for minors. Oh, What could God. go wrong? Ew. Oh, God, it's so sketchy. It's so sketchy when they're not an ex-con. <laughs> it's so sketchy when they're merely in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A 39-year-old, like, having high schoolers over to party. Right. When and ex-con. And a convicted murderer. And sounds like you have a child. Right. Um, it's the weirdest thing. Don't ask me where his wife is. Nothing. Well, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he doesn't have one. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. So already very suspicious of him. The cops then find out that Shannon and Dwayne were at Rainier's house hanging out the day before Shannon went missing. Rainier does admit to talking to Shannon that morning, but maintains that she never made it to his house. He actually said there was no plan of babysitting. When they spoke, he told her that he was going to a barbecue, but she could hang out at his house alone if she wanted to. Due to his insane past and present, police really focus all their attention on him and keep him under surveillance, but they couldn't find any, enough evidence to charge him. And I say insane past and present because his criminal history is in no way behind him. Oh, God. At the time of Shannon and Dwayne's disappearance, Rainier was actually out on bond awaiting trial for first-degree sodomy Ooh. after a woman accused him of sexually assaulting her the year prior. Uh-uh. He was ultimately acquitted of this in August of 1986, but only a year later, he was yet again charged with first-degree sodomy after a different woman also accused him of sexually assaulting her. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. I'm really disturbed by this person. Do these high school kids going over to this house know about this? Yes. Oh, God. The whole town does. He has a bad reputation. There are so many easier ways to get alcohol provided to you. Oh, my God. Go, hey, mister, someone at a gas station. (laughs) Hey, mister. Did anyone else call it that? I'm sure y'all did. You know, hey, mister, can you buy some booze? How yeah. much money did we get stolen doing that method? Oh, my God. I can't believe people would say yes. I would never in a million years say yes to that. How? Yeah, No, of course not. Hell no. But I also, you know what else I wouldn't do? Say sure. And then go in the gas station and then come back out and be like, oh, they saw me. We have to go to the next gas station. Just follow me. And then just drive off. That's a pretty good move. That happened yeah, a couple times. S- Yeah, you're taking our $10. God, get out of here. Amscray. Literally asked you for a six-pack of Miller Lite. Sure. You can have our eight bucks. (laughs) It was worth the try. Then we'll get the next one. Spend it wisely. (laughs) Dick. Six. Anyway. Sorry. But no, don't go over to a 39-year-old's convicted felon's house to get free alcohol. Murderer. You got this. Like, murderer. And a rapist. Apparently. Mm-hmm. So this one he was found guilty of. And the judge told him he was the absolute worst and he sentenced him to life. Great. But again. No. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I swear to God. But again, he was paroled in 2001 and had to register as a sex offender. What? I don't know who this guy's legal team is. Oh, my God. John Cochran and Robert Shapiro. Yeah, really? They're sharks. They're, yeah, no. So at this point... Shannon and Dwayne's case had been cold for 15 years. And in 2005, a new detective reopened the case and wanted to re-interview Rainier. And holy shit, did he have a story. 
He just now has a story about it. Wow, you'll see. Okay. Now I'm getting pissed. <laughs> so according to him, on July 9th, 1986, three days after Shannon went missing, Rainier says that Dwayne called him to meet up. And Dwayne and Rainier actually knew each other through Dwayne's father, David Bell. The three of them worked together at a construction company. So they knew each other. So they meet up, and according to Rainier, Dwayne asked for money because he needed to get out of town. When Rainier asked why, he says because he hurt a few women, Shannon being one of them. He said Shannon went to Dwayne's house on July 6th to hang out, and they got into an argument, and Dwayne got, quote, rough with her. And when she tried to get away, he hit her. And when she threatened to tell someone, David Bell, Dwayne's father, held her arms down while Dwayne strangled her. Oh, my God, what? I know. It's all according to John Rainier. Oh, well, wait a minute. Sorry, maybe I'm reacting a little too quickly. Wow. He said his dad was yelling at him to squeeze her neck tighter until it finally killed her. And then father and son took her to a field and buried her. But he wasn't done with this confession yet. He also told Rainier that he had killed a few others, one of which was a child. Oh, no. Obviously... With Rainier's rap sheet, his credibility is shot. This seems like complete bullshit. But at the time, the cops, I got the time he's saying all this happened in 1986, the cops were putting all their energy towards him as number one suspect. That when Dwayne called to meet up, he was convinced the cops put him up to it and wired Dwayne. So in case they were going to finagle this conversation, Rainier wired himself. Oh. Like Wait, sorry. We explain that to me again. And this might have to be cut. But, okay, so... Obviously, with Rainier's rap sheet, his credibility is shot, and it seems like complete bullshit. But at the time, the cops were putting all their energy towards him as number one suspect, that when Dwayne called him to meet up, he was convinced that the cops put Dwayne up to it and wired him. So in case they were going to somehow, like, finagle this conversation and turn it on Rainier, oh. he wired himself. Oh, my God. That was proactive. Should I do that? <laughs> Did you get You got it? I totally got it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he wired himself. So he had, that was very proactive. He just so happened, yep, to wire himself. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So the next day at work at the construction site, Rainier is fuming. He's so pissed because he's getting all the heat for this. So he tells Dwayne that after work, he wants to see the bodies for himself. So Dwayne takes him to the cornfield and he sees Shannon Green with his very own eyes. Why didn't he tell the cops this in 1986? Oh, we'll get there, Rachie. Oh, Rachie. <laughs> Rachie B, bad. <laughs> was that a screen name? Rachie B, one, two, three. Obviously. No, Ra- I really think Rachie B, bad was one of them. Oh, my God. I hope so. Me too. Then Dwayne proceeds to take Rainier to another cornfield about two miles away, and he digs up the body of Angie Dickens. Oh, my God. He said that he and Angie had gone to the cornfield to fool around, but things got out of hand, so he killed her. So this makes the two men her friends saw after dropping her off from the bar kind of insignificant or you know, uh, yeah, irrelevant at this point. Yeah, forgot about them. Mm-hmm. Or, or was father and son duo. I just thought of that. Mm. Oh, yeah. All right. 
So after showing Angie, Dwayne also pointed to a ditch nearby and said he killed a woman and a kid from Tennessee who he buried over there, but he gave no specific details when Rainier asked and he didn't dig them up. Oh, God. I know. And y'all, when y'all see my post, he, Dwayne, has such a baby face. This will be all the more shocking when I post it. He looks closer to 10 than 18. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was on track to be probably one of the world's worst serial killers. I mean, really? Like, just in confiding in someone who's the main suspect, like, what's stopping Rainier from right then being like, oh, by the way, you want to find the bodies? I'll tell you where they are. Dwayne just told me this, and here's my wire to prove it. Bye. Thank you so much. Get off my porch. (laughs) Get the hell off my property. Yeah, and I'm done. Well... So Dwayne told Rainier this two days after Shannon went missing. So I bet they weren't as insanely terrorizing uh, Rainier yet. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of gearing up. Mm-hmm. But as after a few days and a few interviews, he's like fuming. And he's like, I, I, they're tailing me. They're surveilling me. Fuck off. I want to see these pies. I want to make sure you're not full of shit. Right. So he shows them the body. Um. And then we'll get to what he does. But hold on. Rainier also claimed that Dwayne said he called the police himself and confessed to what he did a couple of days after killing Shannon. And sure enough, the Owensboro PD found a handwritten note in their records from one of their sergeants back then dated July 6, 1986, about an anonymous caller who said, I've done killed two or three. Better stop me before I kill more. Oh, and that was the confession he was claiming? Yeah, he called he called anonymously and said that and then hung up. Okay. Yeah, no. So. Very unhelpful. That's not a confession. It's not a confession, but it does say that he called it proves that what Rainier is saying is kind of checking out. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, there is a note, a note, a handwritten note about this. Mm-hmm. So after seeing Shannon and Angie's bodies, Rainier calls David, Dwayne's dad, and says he needs to talk to him. So they meet up on July eleventh. And Rainier tells David what Dwayne told him. He plays in the recording. And that just so happens to be the last day that anyone sees Dwayne ever again. Shortly after his son's disappearance, David moves to Arizona with his girlfriend for, quote, work-related reasons. Okay. 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 Can you imagine all that? The cops are treating you as number one suspect when you know for a fact someone else did it. But why did he not tell him this in 1986? Oh, but he did. Rainier told cops in August of 1986 they need to switch their focus to Dwayne and even gave them the tape. His his story checked out again because in 2005, the cops found it misfiled in the Kentucky State Police archives and it was forgotten about for nearly two decades. They just did nothing with it. Oh, my God. Right. Rainier was interviewed and he said, quote, no one set out to find out what happened to Shannon. They set out to find out what I did to Shannon. There's a big difference, end quote. That's true. I still don't That's like true. him. No. But no, it's no. true. It is true. I forgot that, so Dwayne was missing during this as well. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. The hell is he? Right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, I think David killed him. Oh, he's, we don't know? No. What? Should I say that? No, you pipe down. Holy shit. I know. It's insane. 
Oh, so we still well don't know mm-mm. where Dwayne is. Right. Oh my God. Right. There are a few theories and I'll get to them, but you are correct. Yes. Oh my God. I'm, that was shocking. Okay. (laughs) So Vernier even confessed to the cops in 2005. He was actually planning to kill Dwayne and David himself for doing this to Shannon and putting through all this shit, but he never got around to it, which I found funny. I don't know why. He just got busy. He got busy buying alcohol for kids. Yeah. It's like, I, I wanted to it. paint my kitchen, but I never got around to it. I wanted to commit double homicide, but I never got around to it. Life yeah. happened. Exactly. Yeah. So in 2005, the cops pulled these misfiled audio tapes, and nine of Dwayne's family members confirmed it was his voice. Oh, my God. In August 2005, the authorities performed a search of the cornfield where Dwayne and David buried Shannon's body, but the search turned up nothing. Investigators believe that Shannon was buried there at one point, but her body was moved. Likely by David after hearing that recording. Just saying. Wait, he heard the recording when? When Rainier contacted him? Yeah, on July 11th, 1986, the very last day anyone saw his son. Right. So what stopped David from killing Rainier when he played that? Donna. Oh, okay. I don't know. That's a good question. Oh my god. Probably scared of Rainier. Rainier is a I know, actually, hard Rainier criminal. Could hold his own, probably. Yeah. And he probably went there. If he's some convicted convict, he probably went there knowing this guy could kill me, so I need to come prepared. He probably right. played it for him with a gun to his face or something. And that's true. Okay. Especially because at that time when Rainier played the audio for David. He was already in his head planning to kill him and his son. Oh, yeah. So he came like, yeah, prepared. He probably killed him. like, just in case you get mad at me, I have a loaded gun pushed up against your temple. Listen to this audio recording. Yeah. So David Bell maintained that this was all bullshit and he had nothing to do with Shannon or his son's disappearance. He admits that in 1986, Rainier did play him the recording of Dwayne, but said that all he heard in it was that he hit Shannon. Rainier never played him the part where he confesses to killing her or the part of him saying David was involved by holding her down. This does not make sense to me. Sorry, why wouldn't Rainier play the whole thing for him? That was the whole purpose of their meetup, to be like, this is what Dwayne's saying happened, and I'm pissed because the cops think I did it. Yeah. Why would he just play him a snippet? No. Anyway, David Bell said after hearing that his son, quote, hit Shannon... He went over to his daughter's house where Dwayne was and asked him if he was in trouble or needed to talk. And Dwayne told him no and that he was fine. And he rode off on his bike into the alleyway, never to be seen again. This also doesn't make sense because the bike was found up against the fence at his sister's house. Yeah. Like, sure, he could have walked away instead of riding his bike. This was nearly 20 years ago. But one thing everyone said was that Dwayne never left his bike anywhere. And there's like notes of David Bell back then saying he rode his bike away. So it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Another thing that was weird with David is that he never reported his son missing. Dwayne's mom actually reported him missing after a week. So I'm like, wait, Dwayne and David worked together at that construction job. And for a full week, he didn't come to work. (laughs) Yeah. And you didn't report him missing. You told 
You waited five de- work days before you told your ex-wife? That doesn't make sense to me. Well, no, of course not. He says he assumed he ran away and he just wasn't that concerned about it. So he, that's why he was fine moving to Tucson only a couple weeks later. But even if he had run away, you're not concerned. I know. That just proves that you are a shitty person. Right. And even if it, yeah, even if it was on his own free will, you still want your kids, like, safe, right? He lived with, if he lived with you full time and he wanted to come back, you wouldn't want to leave your house. Like, right. now, if he came back to your house, he doesn't know where you are. Right. I forget which case this was, but I remember reading about one where there's like a teenage girl that went missing in the 60s or something. And one of her siblings lived in their parents' house well well beyond their deaths, just in case her sister came back or in case a detective reopened the case decades later and looked up her sister's last known address and needed to talk to someone. (gasps) Like, I think that's where your mental state is more likely to go than just up and leaving if you have no involvement. Yeah. And that was not sweet. I can't remember which case that was, but it like stuck with me. I'm like, oh. That God. is so sad. Right. So both Rainier and David agreed to take a polygraph test in the mid-2000s. Rainier passes, and the day before David was, supposed, was scheduled to take one, he canceled it. He lawyered up and refuses to talk to authorities about his son's disappearance. And then, unfortunately, he died in 2015. So we will never know about David's involvement. Oh, my God. No. Shannon nor Dwayne have ever been found, and they're both still considered missing persons. And Angie's murder is still considered unsolved. The woman and child from Tennessee, they've never been identified or found, so we don't know if they were even real. Okay. And that's really, I'll get to theories too, but that is the story which is just baffling and so unsatisfyingly unfinished. I mean... But it just interests me so much because the, how the story plays out is so strange. Like, it just makes so much more sense that John Rainier is responsible for this. And had he not recorded that conversation, no one would believe him. He's blaming an 18-year-old who's missing and can't speak for himself. Like, it seems so unlikely had he right. not recorded himself. Wait, and sorry, just to confirm, Angie nor Shannon's bodies have ever been found? Angie's has. The hunting. Her murder is still unsolved. Oh. Yeah. So a few theories are that Dwayne moved to Tucson with his father to help him hide. I was thinking that, too. David was also smuggling marijuana from Mexico to Owensboro through Tucson. So there's a chance with his connections in Mexico that he helped Dwayne move to Mexico and start a new life. Wait, is that, that's true? He was. Yeah, that's true. I just, there's a whole big story behind it, but it's just not that interesting. He's smuggling 70 pounds of marijuana from Mexico to Owensboro through Tucson. I don't That's about it. That's about it. Actually, that makes a lot of sense then. I know, but that means he's still out there. There's also theories I'm sorry. I know Rainier's a piece of shit on his own right, but I just don't buy this. Rainier was holding him hostage and forced him to make that recording. Um, Police nor Shannon's family believes this. They've met with Rainier several times, and the cops even say the conversation's way too natural. It's not shaky voice. It's not forced at all. Even um, Rainier's like, why the hell are you telling me this? I don't want to know any of this. It's like just too... Yeah. 
the recording's not online, but the transcript is. But yeah, it's just cops are like, mm, I don't know about that. I was going to say that too. Even it's under- essentially what David Bell kind of insinuated and some people who, whatever, some people believe it. I'm like, mm, I don't think so. No, it, even in the most stressful situation, if you're quote unquote forced to make a confession, I feel like there, there would be enough, I don't know, telling things in your voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like shaky voice or like, okay, sure. I killed her. Like you're right. not, you're not like having a full on convo. Right. No, you're not. Okay. That's a baffling story and incredible that this guy just happened to wire himself. When I heard it, I was like, that is, what a gut feeling to do that. Paranoia for the win. For real. But nothing came of it. Didn't, I mean, it helped not convict him, but how David and Dwayne both got away with it. Right. Sorry. <laughs> the hell? I'm so unsatisfied with that one. Oh my God. I know. But I still, I can't not think David must have killed a son. Oh, you do? I kind of do. I mean, I don't think it's that far of a stretch if he strangled a 16-year-old or he helped strangle. Yeah, no, it's not. But again, had Rainier not made this recording, that would sound like the biggest stretch. Like you're saying that this 18-year-old killed her, went missing himself, his dad killed him. This seems all very unlikely. Yeah, no, totally. Good thing he strapped that recording device on. Right. Damn. And that's the story of Shannon Green, Dwayne Bell, and Angie Dickens. That's insane. Very unsatisfying, and I apologize, but it is their story, and it's not well-known. It's just baffling to me. What do y'all think? Where do y'all think happened to him? Oh, my God, for real. And I'm now I'm so scared. What if Dwayne is out there and he searches his name on podcast every so often and he hears it? And then he comes for me. What if Dwayne's Mark? Oh, stop. That's not <laughs> funny. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, actually, he could be in Mexico. That is very, I feel reasonable. 1986? Yeah, that, he could have. Yeah. That, that's what yeah. I'm leaning towards. And how would he survive there? Dwayne would be, I mean, David would have to be wiring him money every week. I don't know. Maybe he's in on the drug business now. That's or true. Or was. I don't know now. But maybe start him as like someone to help him smuggle weed. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll post a picture. And if we have any listeners who live in Mexico, keep your eyes peeled. Ooh. Oh my God, I'm scared of this guy. And have a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. And we appreciate y'all forever and always. See ya. See ya. See ya.